Thanks to Novo for supporting Future Hindsight. Novo is powerfully simple business checking. You're making something new with your business. And to support you, Novo built a new kind of business checking. Get your free business checking account in just 10 minutes at novo.co slash hopeful. Welcome to Future Hindsight, a podcast that takes big ideas about civic life and democracy and turns them into action items for you and me. I'm Mila Atmos. Twenty twenty two is an election year, and we want to bring you episodes that help you build a robust civic action toolkit. We've already spoken about democracy reform and election reform, like ranked choice voting. And this week, we're going to turn our attention to election integrity and protecting the freedom to vote. The 2020 election was the most watched, most audited election in history. It was also a secure election. Despite dozens of lawsuits, election audits in multiple states, and in some states, multiple audits, none of these cases found fraud or maladministration on anything like the scale that could have affected the outcome. The takeaway from all the investigations into the 2020 elections is that the system worked and we can trust the outcomes of our elections. And yet, and yet, millions of Americans do not trust the outcome of that election. And that big lie is ripping at the fabric of our democracy. So I want to shine a light on election integrity today I feel that we should be talking more about the tremendous success of the general election. Americans have never turned out like this before, and in the middle of the pandemic. And I want to shine a light on the people responsible for election integrity, secretaries of state. Today's guest, Jocelyn Benson, Michigan's secretary of state, has become an important voice in defense of democracy. Secretary Benson is focused on ensuring elections are secure and accessible and is the author of State Secretaries of State, Guardians of the Democratic Process, the first major book on the role of the Secretary of State in enforcing election and campaign finance laws. Secretary Benson, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. This is such an important topic, and I really appreciate you highlighting it. Fantastic. Tell us about the role of Secretaries of State, which is previously a somewhat overlooked statewide office. Yes, every state has, or most most every state has a Secretary of State. They are, in many cases, elected positions, sometimes appointed by governors or legislatures. And they are, in about uh, 36 states, also responsible for overseeing elections. They serve as the chief election officers in their state. And what that means is that they are on the front line and responsible for ensuring our elections are run in a way that balances the importance of openness and transparency and integrity and security with making sure every citizen has an equal opportunity to vote and have their voice heard. We have broad authority to oversee election administration and are duty bound to ensure elections are carried out in a nonpartisan manner. Usually we're behind the scenes making the trains run on time and ensure everything works. But as you mentioned in recent years, really at the behest of political actors, these positions have become more high profile because we have become 
become responsible for in a time where democracy is under attack, protecting democracy from subversion and ensuring that the right of every American citizen to vote and have their vote fairly counted is enforced and real for all. That's a big job. So this sounds like maybe a super softball question, but I'm hoping it'll help us understand more about what secretaries of states do in a sense of like, you know, what is your everyday thing? Mm. Uh, so what's your favorite thing about your job? That I get to wake up every day thinking about how to make government work better for every citizen in our state. And that starts with the ballot box, but I also oversee the DMV, the Motor Vehicles uh, Department, which makes me everyone's favorite person, but at the same time is a tremendous opportunity to make government work better for everyday citizens. So what I love is, is that it's not really a political role, and I'm not really a political person, but it's one where from an operational standpoint, from an administrative standpoint, you can be a voice for every citizen and you can be an advocate for every citizen. One of the things that we've heard on this podcast before is that good governance, you know, bolsters the case for democracy because mm -hmm. when good governance is in place, then people trust government and they believe that, you know, it's necessary and that it works and it enhances our lives. Exactly. Yeah. And that's what makes this role so exciting that unlike more political roles that you could be elected to, the state or federal level. This is just about doing good work for citizens. It's not about fighting political battles, although it's it's certainly become that way when the political battles are indeed about democracy itself. But for the most part, it's a nonpartisan role that is you know best embodied by nonpartisan officials committed to making government work better for every citizen and advancing democracy. But in some ways, it is political, right? Mm -hmm. Because you're an elected official. So how do you think about that uh, contradiction of being an elected official who is supposed to be an impartial overseer of elections? I wrote a book in 2008 on this very question. What makes a effective secretary of state? What should voters look for in the majority of states where voters elect these individuals? And I think first and foremost, regardless of what side of the aisle someone's on, you need to have people of integrity in these positions who are willing to stand up to their own political parties or political officials across the spectrum and make sure that elections work well. We are essentially the referees of democracy. And so in, in that regard, you wanna look for people who are willing to be proactive in being an advocate for voters, making democracy work, educating voters about their rights and how to access their rights and access their vote, but also being willing to stand guard over those votes and those voters against political forces who, as we've seen in recent years, are very much mobilized to try to undermine the will of the people and even to the extent of potentially overturning election results, fair, accurate election results to further their own political will. And what's particularly dangerous in in this moment is that we have now, because of the higher profile these roles have in the spotlight that we're under, we see now the role being used as a potential political one. We see individuals seeking these roles now to further political agendas, even being willing to potentially further misinformation from these platforms or use these positions, these very powerful positions, to potentially subvert accurate election results. So in, in that way, you know, the, the, now that the nation is seeing more of a spotlight on this critical role, uh, we are also seeing voters have a important responsibility to fight back against efforts to install partisan election administrators in roles where these are previously and, and are best occupied by a professional. Yeah, you're already where I was heading with my next question about the changing position of 
secretaries of state and how much more fraught these races have become. So from a personal point of view, you know, when you look at everything that's going on in Arizona and in Colorado, what's your take on that? Well, in 2020, we certainly saw how there are really a number of states, Arizona being one of them, Nevada, Georgia, as you mentioned uh, earlier, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin being in the spotlight of very critical elections with uh, just a few votes in in each state tipping the the scale one way or the other for the outcome of an entire presidential election. And so as a result, there have been an increased scrutiny on the actions of election officials in those states and to a certain extent other states as well. And what that has created is really an opportunity for voters to demand people of integrity run our elections and people who are committed to protecting the voice of every voter being similarly put and prioritized in places of election administration as opposed to you know partisan individuals who are very openly advocating against democracy. And so it all really roots down to, in terms of what we make of it, is the important role that citizens have in defending democracy. We as secretaries of state or as election administrators, we can do that as well. But it really in history teaches us that the, it's the voters, uh, it's our citizens' responsibility to also protect and defend democracy by participating in it, engaging it, rejecting those who would seek to manipulate elections to further their partisan goals, but ensure that our republic stands as one where the will of the people is respected above all else. And it's really only going to be when voters demand that their elected officials tell the truth and follow those principles that we can guarantee that we'll see that from our government. That, that puts a lot of faith in voters. And I, and I agree that the voters definitely have the power, although I think a lot of people misconceive how powerful they actually are, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But I wanted to talk a little bit more about the tone of some of these campaigns. It's truly alarming. I'm thinking about Tina Peters, uh, a proponent of the big lie, who's running for secretary of state in Colorado. And she was in an election conspiracy event supported by of mm-hmm. course, of all people, the My Pillow CEO, where the featured speakers called for the hanging of the current Colorado Secretary of State, Gina Griswold. I mean, that has to have a chilling effect on who can or will run for these positions. So do you see signs of people being bullied out of office, basically? Well, I've actually seen election administrators being emboldened by these threats. Now, you know, you have uh, secretaries of state in a number of states who are uh, standing guard over our democracy and partisan officials or partisan individuals in Michigan, in Arizona, in Georgia, in Nevada, and many other states running and seeking these positions. There's, you know, almost, you know, forming a coalition seeking these positions to further a partisan agenda and using threats of violence and other means to advance their cause and, you know, strike fear and in an attempt to intimidate election administrators out of doing their jobs. But we're not going to be intimidated. I mean, when, when people showed up outside my home in December of 2020, demanding that I come outside and, and face, you know, them, my reaction was certainly trying to keep my family safe, but also recognizing that my job is to defend and protect the will of the voters. And when people protest or threaten us as election administrators, what they're really doing is threatening voters and the will of the voters and trying to, you know, force us to undermine or intervene 
with that constitutionally protected foundation of our country, this idea that the people choose their elected officials and can hold them accountable. And the important thing is that every voter know that they have an opportunity right now to reject those who are spreading conspiracy theories and lies that manifest themselves in these nefarious threats that we in Michigan, the, the governor, the attorney general, and I have been enduring for the better part of two years now, and instead demand that all leaders show respect, not just for their colleagues, but for the system itself uh, and the system of democracy that only works when we have people of integrity on both sides of the aisle committed to ensuring that elections run smoothly, they're secure and accessible, and that citizens can, as we can right now, trust the results of the election. We're going to take a brief break to hear from our sponsor. Thanks to Novo for supporting Future Hindsight. Fortune favors the bold, the strong, the brave. For your business to break out of anything holding you back, you need business checking as brave as you are. Introducing Novo Business Checking. Just because you're taking your business somewhere no one's ever gone before doesn't mean you have to go it alone. Get truly personalized and powerfully simple business checking with Novo. And unlike the traditional banking model, Novo has no minimum balances, no transaction limits, and no hidden fees. Instead of a one-size-fits-all approach, Novo is customized to your business to save you time and free up cash flow with seamless integrations to Stripe, Shopify, QuickBooks Online, and more. It's so seamless that fans call Novo the Swiss army knife of checking accounts. Sign up for Novo for free and join the community of over 150,000 fearless small businesses who found the customizable business checking solution that admires their bravery. Sign up for your free business checking account right now at novo.co slash hopeful. Plus, Future Hindsight listeners get access to over $5,000 in perks and discounts. Go to novo.co slash hopeful to sign up for free. Novo.co slash hopeful. Novo Platform Inc. is a fintech, not a bank. Banking services provided by Middlesex Federal Savings FA. Member FDIC. Terms and conditions apply. I also want you to know about another insightful podcast digging into political and cultural polarization. And that's The Purple Principle. They've just launched a special mini-series about identity, politics, and hyper-partisanship in Texas, with episodes releasing every Tuesday in March. Check out the Texas series to hear full interviews with former Congressman Will B. Hurd, former San Antonio Mayor and Cabinet Secretary Henry Cisneros, Texas Monthly Editor-in-Chief Dan Goodgame, and UT San Antonio Latino politics expert Sharon Navarro, among others. Lots of big things from the nation-sized Lone Star State on the Purple Principle right now. Subscribe to the podcast and visit purpleprinciple.com for more. Now, let's return to our conversation with Jocelyn Benson, Michigan's Secretary of State. So, talking about making sure that the election results are uh, trustworthy, what is the most important thing that your office did in 2020 mm -hmm. to make sure that the election was secure, despite the fact that, of course, that some people don't believe it? Well, we started on day one of my administration convening the election security experts from around the country and creating a 
uh, advisory council, election security advisory council uh, that included officials from both sides of the aisle and at the state and federal level, as well as local clerks who have expertise in protecting the security of our elections to implement a number of things, such as legitimate post-election audits, such as increased security protections for the infrastructure and our technology systems as well. And also increasing transparency of our operations so that citizens have access to information about just how much we're doing to protect the security of their vote and the security of the process, working to ensure our clerks have all the resources they need in partnership with the federal government to protect every aspect, every moment of the system. It's important to also recognize that in addition to bringing these experts and really implementing a lot of their suggestions and recommendations to to the the way we operate in Michigan, we're also implementing many new procedures that voters themselves enacted in 2018 so that they could, for example, have a right to vote absentee in Michigan, which is in our state constitution, a right to be automatically registered to vote when they get a driver's license or a state ID. So we also had to make real those rights and implement these significant reforms in time for the 2020 election cycle, which we did even in the midst of a pandemic because we took best practices from other states and we relied on experts and data to drive our decision-making process as opposed to politics and partisanship. And that enabled us to ultimately have the most high turnout secure elections in Michigan's history where there was no major security attempt, even attempted breach but at the same time, more citizens voted than ever before, and we were able to securely tabulate every valid vote more efficiently and more quickly than uh, had ever before and had even been anticipated. So all of that led to much success. And one of the real tragedies of what's unfolded since then is that instead of telling that success story, instead of talking about how to replicate that success and support the thousands of clerks and the hundreds of clerks who made that a success, we are fighting lies and misinformation furthered by you know, a, a politician and his uh, most ardent supporters uh, that are you know, really the exact opposite of the truth, which was, again, that the 2020 elections in Michigan and elsewhere were among the most secure and accessible uh, in history. Right. It's impressive, everything that you've pulled off, and also kudos to the voters in Michigan to demand election mm-hmm. reform to make the vote more accessible. And yet, like you said, there was still doubt cast upon the result, and you had to go through over 250 audits, which of course all confirmed the accuracy and the integrity of the election results. And you've also fielded some pretty crazy lawsuits, including one that mixed up results in Michigan and Minnesota. So what was that like? And what's your take? What's your takeaway for next time? Because, you know, this is another election year. Yeah, I mean, I think a couple of things. One, we have seen, as you mentioned, a number of lawsuits, what I, I call basically PR campaigns masquerading as lawsuits, lawsuits filed that have no merit to them and that are, you know, quite frivolous and and typically, you know, thrown out, if not rejected outright quickly, but are instead used to grab headlines and further messaging that suggests something untoward has happened when really that's not the case. It's been challenging, but, you know, now has become part of the job to fight back against that misinformation and really this politically driven effort to confuse voters about the integrity of the elections. And my work continues to be to, to simply make sure that our elections remain secure and accessible. We've already succeeded in doing that. We want to continue doing that and then protect those elections, protect our clerks, protect the results of of our elections, protect democracy 
against all of these ongoing efforts to try to undermine it. And that really is the, the path forward, recognizing that everything that we worked through and overcame in 2020 to ensure democracy would prevail, the biggest mistake we could make is assuming that we won't have to, to go through a battle like that again. Indeed, every indication is that in 2024, everything we fought through to protect the results of the election and to implement and manage good elections will be again overly scrutinized and in the spotlight and under a great deal of assault to try to make it harder for democracy to work and be attainable to all. So it's all the more reason why this year's elections are critical because voters will choose in this fall who will be on the field protecting democracy in 2024 when everything we survived in 2020 in terms of the efforts to subvert our a legitimate election will likely be back and they will likely return in a more sophisticated, strategic and, and more well-funded, coordinated way. Unless there's real accountability for everything that occurred in 2020, we can only imagine and, and anticipate that all of those efforts will, will escalate. And that's why those of us who stood guard successfully in 2020, myself, Katie Hobbs in Arizona, Brad Raffensperger in Georgia, have a responsibility to you know, hopefully be able to continue to do so again in 2024 when the, the anti-democracy forces return in force. So what's your biggest worry ahead of the midterms this year and ahead of 2024? That the vast majority of citizens in our country on both sides of the aisle will not see that protecting democracy is the most important issue of our time. That through complacency and disengagement, we allow those very well-organized, well-funded and well-coordinated forces seeking to install bad actors in positions of authority over elections. Voters by being complacent could allow that to happen. And if that does happen, then we can imagine a scenario where democracy withers on the vine in the future because you won't have people in places of authority protecting it. Now, as long as I have breath in my body, whatever position I have, I'm going to continue to protect and defend our democracy and every citizen's right to vote. But really what this fall is, is an opportunity for us to overcome the worst case scenario possibility that I just mentioned, and instead become a reckoning for those who have tried to overturn democracy. Voters have the chance this fall to reject every conspiracy theorist, every proponent of the big lie, every person who's made threats against election officials and now wants to be one by voting in support of those of us who have stood on the front lines and defended democracy and rejecting those who've tried to intimidate us out from doing our job, voters can take a clear stand that will be possibly the strongest position or you know, strongest advancement we can make in protecting democracy for the long run by turning out in record numbers, uh, making democracy the most important issue of our time and voting in furtherance of protecting every citizen's right to vote. Talking about the big lie, the danger of it, of course, is really to really muddy the waters and erode trust in the electoral process and in democracy itself, like you said. But the bigness of the big lie can make it really hard, right, to rebut effectively. And it's accompanied by threats and harassment. And it's not mm -hmm. just Democratic uh, secretaries of state who are being targeted. So how are secretaries of state working together to fight the misinformation and to drive reform? Well, a number of ways. I think first, we've always been collaborative and, and professionals and colleagues. I think we have to remember in all of this, the law and the truth 
and the vast majority of American people are squarely on the side of democracy. And so working as educators of citizens to empower them to know how to fight back against misinformation and to find trusted sources of information is a key part of what secretaries of state all around the country are working to do. This is a slight side question. If you could wave a magic wand for electoral reform, it's a very specific wand, what would you wish for? I would wish for every voter to recognize that democracy and saving democracy is the most important issue of our time and to really embrace the opportunity and the choice they'll have this fall to reject those conspiracy theorists and individuals and leaders, politicians who are using lies to overturn democracy and undermine citizens' faith in it, and instead support those of us on both sides of the aisle who are fighting every day to make democracy real for every citizen and protect it for generations to come. I want to circle back to something you said here about protecting against potential election subversion in the states. What do you mean by that? And what could protection look like in real concrete terms? A number of things. First, we we have the Electoral Count Act in uh, Congress that Congress can work to strengthen to ensure efforts that we're seeing that manifest themselves in the tragedy at our U.S. Capitol on January 6th. Uh, that, that there is both accountability for what happened and also changes to the Electoral Count Act to make clear that legislators and members of Congress don't really have authority to overturn a legitimate accurate election without any type of evidence of wrongdoing. And then I think the work also starts even before that, making sure officials have a number of protections in place uh, in the event of efforts in the states to block certification of legitimate election results. Every state's law is a little bit different, and every position has different authority in each state. The bottom line is democracy prevailed in 2020 because good people in positions of authority, whether they be secretaries of state, county canvassers, members of Congress, the vice president, did the right thing and followed the law and protected the will of the people. And we ultimately need to make sure those people of integrity are in place again. That's the best protection against election subversion. How do we do that? Well, by voters making protecting democracy the most important issue of this 2022 election cycle, electing individuals and putting people in positions of authority who will be there in 2024 to protect their voice and their vote. I think as a concept, that's uh, totally logical. But, you know, as we've seen, there's so many people who actually either don't turn out or they believe the big lie and then will vote the other way. So if you could speak one on one to a voter, what would you say to persuade this person listen, here's really what's at stake and, you know, come out and vote for this kind of person. And how can you identify the person with integrity? Because sometimes I think we don't know who they really are. Well, I, I, I disagree because I think what we've seen in Michigan, actually, one, voters, when they understand and know what's at stake, they have been energized as they were in 2018 and in 2020 to turn out in record numbers and vote and vote in support of individuals who are very clearly on the side of, of democracy. And in terms of evaluating a candidate and whether they're telling truth versus lies, I think there's a, a couple of things. One, look at the data. I think we all can be critical thinkers and looking at data and information as opposed to responding to hyperbole and tweets. We've made the data, for example, about the 2020 election very accessible through our audit report, which is available on our website as well as a, a fact check portion of our website that encourages and engages citizens in identifying trusted sources of information and looking critically into the messages they're hearing from elected officials. 
So in you know, response to your question of what do you say to a citizen who is seeking out trusted sources of information, who is trying to figure out whether their vote or their voice matters in a time like this, what history teaches us is undoubtedly the only thing that saves democracy in a time like this is by citizens, good citizens, uh, standing up and demanding that their democracy and their government work for them. Indeed, the only thing that can stop a, a bad politician with a vote is a good citizen with a vote. And that's the only thing that has ever worked more than anything else in our country's history, in our democracy. And then in addition to that, making sure you're an informed, not just engaged, but informed voter by seeking out those trusted sources of information, seeking out your own sources of data and multiple sources of data to identify a particular issue or evaluate a particular individual. And then pay attention to people's actions. What's their track record? What have they done in the past when they weren't on the ballot? And using that to also evaluate what we can expect and whether they can be trusted in important positions of authority moving forward. You've given us a lot of good advice here on how we could advance democracy in the United States and in our states individually, making sure we vote in these state elections for the people with integrity. Sort of like philosophically, what are two things everyday people could be doing to advance democracy and secure elections, wherever they may live? Well, there's a couple of things. I think one, they could serve as an election worker. And one of the most important ways you can be active in protecting our democracy is to be a part of administering it. We have thousands of individuals serving as an election worker in Michigan, and there are plenty of ways to find out how to be a poll worker, how to be an election worker, but that's certainly one of the most important things you can do to engage in being a part of protecting democracy. Or you can also arm yourself with facts about elections and then use those facts to counter the lies and misinformation. And then also, of course, vote and advocate to ensure your vote is counted. Attend public hearings and meetings, whether they be school board meetings or elsewhere. And you know, when you see people spreading misinformation, hold them accountable for what they say and speak back with the truth. I think all of those things as participants in our democracy are ways in which we can counter those who are essentially banking on people being disengaged and misinformed in order to further their political agenda. If we show up by being engaged and informed, and urgently so on both fronts, but we can effectively counter once and for all those efforts to you know, really try to take away people's voices and impose uh, the will of a few over the many and instead ensure that the many, the many of us who do stand for truth, for democracy, for equal access to our government, for a government that works well for everyone, we can rule the day, but only if we stay engaged and informed. All good advice. We definitely hear at Future Hindsight, a civic engagement podcast, we believe that we all need to be engaged. So in closing, looking into the future, what makes you hopeful? What makes me hopeful is that the truth is on our side, that the law and the Constitution are on the side of democracy, that history is on the side of democracy, that indeed the the moral arc of the universe is long, but it bends towards justice. We've seen that time and time and again. And that the vast majority of American people are on the side of truth and the law and democracy. If we can harness all of those things, as we did successfully in 2020 to overcome an unprecedented attack on democracy successfully, if we can harness all those things, again, we will uh, continue to prevail. Democracy will continue to prevail. But we must all work together, build a national nonpartisan coalition 
in this country with people in every industry of every walk of life standing up to say, even if I'm not a political person, I'm going to stand up for our democracy now, for our future, for our children's future. Then we can actually overcome and emerge out of this moment with a more robust democracy than ever before. That to me is the path forward. And I have a great deal of hope that we'll get there. Is there anything else you'd like to share here that you haven't had an opportunity to say? Well, I just, you know, can't say enough that it's not only that time and time again throughout history that it's been when people demand a thriving democracy, that democracy prevails, but also the only thing throughout history that has protected democracy and ensured it prevailed, both in our country and elsewhere, is when people demand that it be so. And so we cannot shirk that responsibility. We can meet this challenging moment. We can preserve and protect our democracy. We can overcome the lies and the threats with truth and with faith in who we are as a people. But we all have to choose in this moment. Are we going to be part of that movement? Are we going to be part of protecting our country, our democracy, the foundation of everything that we believe in? Or are we going to disengage? If we disengage, I guarantee you, the other side, those anti-democracy forces will win. But if we engage and mobilize and become informed and allow truth and the law and history to guide us, then we can prevail and again emerge stronger than ever. But it's, it's up to us all to make that choice right now. And if we all choose to move forward together, good things can come for our country and for all of us. Thank you very much for joining us on Future Hindsight. Our guest was Secretary Benson of the state of Michigan. Next time on Future Hindsight, Carol Jenkins, President and CEO of the ERA Coalition and the Fund for Women's Equality, sister organizations dedicated to the adoption of the Equal Rights Amendment. You know, we've been looking for the source of sexism and racism that has bedeviled us the entire life of our country. The source of that is the Constitution. And until it is fixed and until it is recognized that we are all equal and all citizens of this country, and not just citizens, people living in this country are affected by the Equal Rights Amendment and that we're all equal under that law. In our last episode of Women's History Month, the Constitution's missing piece. That's next time on Future Hindsight. This episode was produced by Zach Travis and Sarah Burningham. Until next time, stay engaged. This podcast is part of the Democracy Group.